really that was driving behaviors in our partners to close tickets prematurely, to hit their metrics, maybe to close them prematurely, at least in the eyes of the customer who had raised the ticket. You know, technically, maybe there had been some resolution or it was determined that this was a, a training issue or whatever the issue might be. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Independent ERP and Digital Transformation Consulting Firm Elevate IQ. Most smaller companies struggle to understand the importance of a CIO. In smaller companies, it's not uncommon to have developers, a CFO, a VP of Supply Chain, or a VP of Marketing playing or claiming the role of a CIO. They might also not understand the importance of enterprise architecture, IT portfolio planning, and master data governance. But a CIO is a very specialized skill set that requires experience in managing complex enterprise applications and infrastructure. It takes many years of implementation to get used to enterprise architecture patterns and learn the best practices for managing large IT departments and programs. So which are the KPIs that CIOs need to have on their fingertips to ensure their success? In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss the top KPIs for CIOs. We discussed the best KPIs that CIOs should be measuring. Finally, we discussed how the KPIs might differ for a CIO depending upon the reporting and or structure. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our digital transformation for which we meet every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one topic related to digital transformation, and we always have an expert panel that is willing to share their insights and wisdom for today. We have a very exciting topic focused on CIOs. So this is going to be so much fun. Before we dig into the topic, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, Sam Gupta, your host and principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. On that note, I am going to move to Chris for his intro. Thanks, Sam. Um, Chris Garadini, president and owner of Turnkey Technologies. Uh, we've been operating 29 years, um, delivering dynamic CRP and CRM implementation. So great topic. Analytics and KPIs are part of everybody. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. Rajesh, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. Hi, everyone. Rajesh Tixit. I'm president and CEO of Neuralgate Inc. And Neuralgate is basically a, a RPA process automation testing um, software provider. Uh, for uh, uh, different ERP systems like Oracle, uh, Dynamics, and SAP. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Rajesh. Um, Chan, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. Happy to, Sam. Uh, happy to be back in the new year on one of your webinars. 
Uh, as Chris said, great topic. So my name is Tom Rodden. Uh, I am a longtime IT professional, uh, about 10 years of consulting with Pricewaterhouse and Deloitte, uh, followed by a 15-year career at Varian Medical Systems, leading the applications team for part of that time and being CIO for uh, five years. Uh, left a year ago after the Siemens acquisition of our company, and I've been doing IT consulting currently at Seagate Technologies. So, Tom, I always like to have some real CIOs in the room or whichever topic we are covering on. So we are going to test the knowledge of these guys who are going to be pretending to be. So <laughs> we are going to find out whether they really understand CIOs. Thank you so much for being here, Tom. Juliet, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. Thank you, Sam. And hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Juliet Sampson. And like Tom, I have been in the IT world for a long time. I come from Fortune 50 telecom industry, uh, Wall Street, and uh, pharmaceutical at Pfizer. Very recently, I was a CIO of a mid-sized company for eight years where I did a major turnaround, um, implemented um, Oracle, and uh, also had a supply chain. So I have lots of fun things to talk about relative to APIs. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Juliet. Uh, Mike, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Sam, for having me back on here. Uh, my name is Mike Schlagenhofer. Currently, I'm a manufacturing consultant for uh, a property insurance carrier, cash casualty insurance carrier. Um, we cover about 7,500 manufacturers, and we cover everything from the hardware to the software, from the products to the property. Uh, I've been doing this in one way or another with manufacturing for years. Thanks. Amazing. Thank you so much for uh, being here, Mike. And if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys post your questions and comments. We typically try to cover them during the show. If you run out of time, we will make sure that you receive your answers. On that note, I am going to start with a little background. And Chris, obviously, you are going to set the stage um, in terms of the KPI, CSU. Uh, Chris, um, so CIOs, right? CIO is a very interesting topic in general, okay? So when you talk about Mike's world, uh, and you know, your CEO is probably going to be CIO, CFO. I don't know how many IOs are going to be there in general in their, uh, you know, designation. And then if you look at the SMB world, for them, they don't really understand who CIO really is, to be honest, okay? It's that IT guy. I don't know who that is. Sometimes it is going to be developer. Uh, you know, that is going to act like a CIO. Obviously, there is a uh, big difference overall in terms of the skill set. The people who have been doing IT for a very long time, those are the only people who really understand what CIO is all about, okay? So now we are talking about KPIs. And typically, CIOs, I mean, obviously, they deal uh, with business and technology both. But when you talk about the real KPIs, KPIs, so it becomes very interesting because these KPIs, I don't know if they are going to be really related to business. So, Chris, uh, let's talk about some of the top KPIs. Sure, sure. And, you know, and I've I've only partially owned a CIO in my life as an owner, but it's kind of interesting. And you think about all those aspects. But I think as I look at KPIs and just the general comment is a lot of times you're like, where's my dashboard? You know, show up, I take the job as a CIO. Where's my dashboard? I want to see everything. Okay. They may not have done that before you got there. And again, they may never have thought about doing that. Or, But it starts with, you know, the concept of what are we trying to measure and where do we get the data and how quickly and efficiently can I refresh it? Meaning, is this, I, I want it updated. Everybody's like, it doesn't work like that. So, but again, as you look at the categories and I think, you know, infrastructure, right? I got the platforms that run the business, whether I own them, whether I rent them, it's a whole category. And then um, 
service, customer service. Who's that? Oh, that's all your constituents. That's all the people that run on the platforms that we just mentioned, whether those are in-house users, external users, but there's a constituency, an audience out there that's in services, so measuring services, and I'll get more specific. And then I think in that capacity, I'm, I'm managing projects, right? I'm looking at project performance, okay? And and that's that's a big one because IT is running big projects. There's a lot of dependencies and measuring. How do we perform? Did we hit the deadlines? Did we manage the specified downtimes correctly? Um, so, uh, you know, a, a few different, and there's applications. And so, you, you, and again, you think about the four different categories and what's, you know, what are the macro ones that you're looking at? And I think there's important ones everywhere and I don't need to go through all of them. But if you think about the customer service, okay, and you know, how do I, how do I rationalize? How good is the audience? And it, and it may be, and you're like, who are the good ones, the bad ones? It could be the same KPIs, depending on where the value's at. This is a good one. Oh, it's a terrible one. Downtime, right? None. Perfect. You know, do I get triple nines, nine, nine, nine uptime? And so, you know, this, this, and again, it depends on your world. Is this your on-prem servers? Is this cloud? But I think if you're looking organizationally, there's a cost to every minute, half hour, hour of productivity loss by X times the audience and what they're paid and boy, those numbers fast. So certainly you're looking at, at performance. Um, you know, latency may fall in there, but but we go back to services, right? So I mentioned that one. The other one's cases. Let's just talk about case management for an example where in the services I'm dealing with support, right? Internal, constituents, external, but, and what are the KPIs there? Well, what's my, what's my average time for resolution? There's a big one. It's taking too long to take care of that. What's, well, again, resolution is means I started it and finished it. How about the response time? How quickly am I responding? And some of the related metrics is what's the, what's the case volume? Is it increasing? Well, that's a bad sign, right? That points to maybe a staffing issue. And so you think about how these metrics can, can feed response time, staffing, Resolution has to do with the expertise of the staff that I do have. Customer satisfaction, these are all related to that. We're trending up, trending down, but these are big deals. And again, normally small orgs don't have a CIO, right? So the owner of a 30-person firm is like, ah, you know, we're not really getting a customer sat on the workers. However, in large organizations where, you know, employee retention is a huge challenge, my stuff better work. You know, is it, you know, I have people that show up and they get a laptop that's it's ganking up and they have lost productivity. It's a measurable, we talked about that one. So like I said, I could I could dominate this with metrics on infrastructure and a lot of other things, but I really think this customer service one, if I'm the CIO, they're the same metrics. They're good and they're bad. They're the bet they're the most important ones, right? But um I'll stop there. So there are many different interesting angles there in your commentary, to be honest. And I was not thinking customer service side of the things. And I think it's always important to sort of bring the perspective of the industry as well as sites, uh, because CIO in manufacturing is very different from your CIO in tech or, and the size also matters. And I think size we have been discussing a little bit. So we are going to touch, uh, you know, on these topics throughout the discussion, but I want to touch on this comment and Chris, maybe you can provide your commentary on this as well. So Judy Wiseman, follow him. Uh, it's uh, the first name is G-U-D-Y-W-E-I-Z. M-A-N, and he is saying one of the most important is uh, measuring SLA for service service call. So maybe, Chris, first define the industry, I guess, because this this is probably not going to be applicable for every industry. Well, it's interesting is not everybody goes out there and crafts a service level agreement because they don't want to make a commitment to perform on time. But, you know, it is it is imperative. And organizationally, you've got different constituents and some of them. This is Let's go to a hospital or healthcare system. Okay. Hey, I don't have a lot of time. So SLA is service level, you know, in, in, in its performance. And when you contractually agree to respond within a timely manner, 
measuring that and figuring out what's your best business process to, to be able to perform in that. So it's more than just, oh, I got it. But to write the agreement, and we have people asking us for SLAs that run 7 by 24, we're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. You know, then you go back to staffing and, and, and what about how many people do I need and domain experts and do we always have them ready and do we cover all that space? But an SLA gets complicated and so people are very careful. But in certain industries, you've got to have an SLA. My imaging machine can't be down. My this and again, what's the what's the dependency on that for revenue or life support or whatever? I go by industry, but I think that um, it's a great point on SLAs. And again, we go back to measuring in the case management systems. And we have you know we run dynamic CRM for our case management, and you know we're measured on that first 30 minutes of service to a customer that may spend a million dollars. You screw that up, right? You lose everything. So, but expectations, communication. Did I hit it? Did I perform? Who's measuring it? Some processes. There's a lot before you can write an SLA and say, sure, I'll call you in one hour. But then you've, we, we have quantifiers is what's the service level? Does it mandate an escalation or an SLA? So service levels and severity on cases are going to kind of have a little matrix of, well, what's that really mean on your SLA? Well, you're a one day because nobody can't work or no one can work. There's the extremes, right? We Highest priority, lowest priority. But uh, anyway. Great question. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for that, Chris. So, Rajesh, uh, you know, one of the things that I want to bring, and, uh, you know, I always think about these roles, you know, how they have evolved over the period of time. And if I look at the CIO role, and if you look at the changes and the expectations from the role, I think CIO yep. is the one that has changed the most. And the reason for that is the way technology has evolved. If you look at the cloud world, you know, people are thinking, do we really need a CIO? In fact, I mean, they're wondering, do we need IT? Plug and play, guys. You know, why do you need IT, right? So it's a very interesting conversation. It's very hard to yeah. coach business who have not gone through the, the cycles, you know, how hard it is. So, yeah. uh, you know, over to you, uh, whatever you want to talk about from the KPI perspective. Sure. Yeah. So you're absolutely right, right? The role of IO dramatically, dramatically changed, right? I mean, I used to be uh, in the like early 2000s, right? It used to be when I uh, went in as a capacity for management consultant and helping organizations roll out uh, their uh, uh, ERP systems and had to interact with the sales quite a lot, right? Their uh, priorities used to be like keeping the lights on, yeah. meaning like, you know, with different systems, uh, measuring their time, right? You know, uh, measuring uh, uh, the, the applications, uh, you know, how many types of uh, com uh, service uh, companies they're getting, what kind of um, uh, response time they're uh, they able to provide for that, right? And so that used to be one issue. The other issue used to be around um, security, right? And uh, like the cyber security. So that used to be another matrix that the CIOs used. Third was around compliance, right? That was another uh, matrix that, that's important. And I think these three are still kind of very important. The first one, though, right, has changed quite a lot. So now, um, rather than um, keep the lights on, the major, uh, like the larger, either in the process or to the cloud or have already partially shifted to the cloud, right? So now what is more important is to be able to coordinate with the vendor, right? Uh, like cloud vendor in terms of like different applications. For example, uh, the industry that I was in about two years back, right? It was a fintech services company. And um, they had all the, like most of the major systems were in the cloud and multiple such cloud vendors, right? Now the effort becomes like to coordinate between all of these uh, different uh, cloud vendors because they're asking, they still need to do this coordination. One vendor can be on one different um, application release. How, what is the compatibility with the other system, right? So those kinds of things have become really, really important now, right? To say, okay, um, how do I do the coordination with the cloud vendor and amongst different cloud vendors that I have, right? 
So those um, have that so that uh, lights on parameter has changed that metric API from uh, you know just trying to make sure that your own internal on-premises is up and running to now how what is my next patch set going to when is my next patch set going to come down on ERP system right how am I going to be able to make it compatible with my banking interface with my you know procurement system and so on so. So those are the, the other thing that I have now really um, been very, very noticeable in the past two years, right? And that is about the digital. So now people are starting to measure and the CIOs are really, really starting to measure around how much automation they have, right? What kind of um, uh, like headcount they have, are they able to make that headcount more productive, right? In terms of the, the automation technologies, the RDAs, the, what we call it, the robotics, and how much the deployment of that is there. How is that trending uh, year over year, right? And the third thing that is always uh, has been important and even today is to align with the CIO's vision, right? So the CIO establishes, uh, sorry, with the CEO's vision. The CEO establishes some uh, like pillars, right, for how the business should be operating, what kind of things are really important from an uh, organization's perspective. And you need to be able, as a, as a CIO, you need to be able to track your uh, systems and your division or business units against those uh, different uh, pillars that the CEO has. So I would say those are things are very important. The other thing we talked about was size and that determines what parameters are going to be important for the CIO and what KPIs they should really be looking at in a, in a small size company as to a mid-sized company all the way to like a 4,500 uh, multinational organization. So size and then the vertical, Sam, I think you already mentioned the verticals, right? So yeah. uh, again, the metrics that you track for different verticals are, are slightly different. I mean, you have a common set, right, that you absolutely as a CIO have to track again even uh, across multiple industries. But then after that, you also have to track KPIs to a, to a specific industry, right? For example, manufacturing KPIs for your systems will be different as opposed to a fintech, as opposed to a retail. And so I think I'll, I'll stop there. And- oh, amazing insights there and some very interesting layers there. And I'm going to have a little fun with you today, okay? Because there was a little comment that could be perceived as controversial, okay? And that is the CEO's vision versus the CIO's vision. Obviously, they both are going to have their own version of vision. And sometimes it's sort of hard to understand, okay, so what exactly is CEO supposed to do and what exactly is CIO supposed to do? And typically, in my experience, the problems are always going to be because of, the, okay, whatever CEO is talking about, you know, probably CIO does not understand or something in between, right? So that's always the problem. So just overall, let's say if you were to give us a little insight into how the CEO vision differs from your CIOs, uh, over to you, Rajesh. Yeah. So I think... Um... I mean, that basically uh, senior leaders want to be aligned and you're absolutely right. I mean, there are nuances. There are, you want to be, um, as a team, be aligned, right? So in terms of uh, what I found there, the CEO itself, his vision or the, or the KPIs that a CEO will track are a little broader, right? Because they are really responsible for, like, say, you know, inside of things, the revenue generation, how they are tracking against the financial aspects and all that, right? A CIO is basically more... Uh, um, like tuned towards trying to uh, to have systems and processes in place, right, which are aligned or should be aligned to those um, uh, like uh, broader kind of. And uh, I would say if you look at it, the CIO is uh, uh, is basically going to or the CEO basically is going to like have a uh, like a like a wider vision, and the CIO has to sort of like interpret that down and try to see how uh, it's going to align uh, in terms of systems as well as processes, right? Okay. Amazing insights there. Thank you so much, Rajesh, for that. So, Tom, I'm coming over to you. And when you look at, and obviously, you know, you have seen 
every single skill set and roles in many different industries and how they sort of regard the CIO role differently. And if you are looking from the IT lenses, each of the CIO, they are also going to have their own sort of suite in terms of where they are going to be really good at. For example, let's say CIOs who sort of grew up in the infrastructure backyard, they are not going to have as much expertise in the software integration, software design, ERP. The people who sort of grew into more of the business background and business technology background, they are going to be really good at the software architecture and they are not even going to touch the security or whatever. So you require a lot of skill set. And it's fascinating that everybody sort of puts the CIO or IT guys in one bucket. <laughs> There's no way one person can master all of uh, those things. So, Tom, over to you, whatever you can talk about the CIO role as well as the KPI. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that we could talk about. Uh, this is a very broad topic. A um, couple of things, though, that I was thinking about and that struck me as I listened to some of the other speakers. One is the, the role of the CIO and the KPIs that a CIO may find critically important will be in large part shaped by their position in the organization. Uh, and, and as I think you've said, uh, you know, the nature of the industry too, and, and Rajesh pointed out. You were talking a little bit about CIO versus CEO, and it made me think of CIO reporting to CEO or CIO reporting to CFO as an example uh, of how your KPIs could be shaped. I think if you're reporting into the CEO, oftentimes it'll be more about growth and revenue enablement. And if you're reporting into the CFO, it'll be more about budget and manage that and uh, IT dollars per revenue dollar, right? Um, some kind of spend metric um, and, you know, related to your budget. So, um, and all of those things are important, but the emphasis will certainly be different depending on the situation as CIO that you find yourself in. Again, company, industry, and reporting relationship. But um, I think a couple of maybe general trends are true. Um, and, and a few people, you know, Chris has already touched on some things um, around service. You know, in the service space, one of the things that I have uh, come to learn over the years is that you have to get behind these numbers in ways that you wouldn't and your colleagues, you wouldn't anticipate maybe initially and your colleagues might never understand um, in terms of other members of the executive team um, or in the, in the business. Um, you know, as an example, uh, we at Varian at one point had outsourced, we had later insourced our production support, but we had the classic SLAs um, around mean time to resolution and um, uh, response times and, you know, had expectations on ticket management, ticket volumes, uh, only to find that really that was driving behaviors in our partners um, to close tickets prematurely to hit their metrics, um, maybe to close them prematurely, at least in the eyes of the customer who had raised the ticket. You know, technically, maybe there had been some resolution uh, or it was determined that this was, you know, a, a training issue or whatever the issue might be. So I'm not saying that the, that, that, that the third party, our, our partner uh, providing support was uh, lying. Um, most times, no. Uh, this was more a matter of just how was this handled and rather than effective communication and ex explanation of why the ticket was being closed and confirmation that the customer was satisfied, you know, it was just bang, closed. And so that led to a lot of dissatisfaction. And what we found was, you know, meantime to resolution without some other metric that's balancing it out, like customer sat, is going to lead to both 
behaviors maybe that aren't uh, entirely appropriate and certainly customer uh, sentiment that is not going to help you as CIO. So, you know, you have to have multiple uh, metrics, perhaps interacting at times and balancing one, other, one another out. Um, and you have to get behind some of these metrics to understand what's what's going on. And, and so the level of sophistication, I think, that the CIO requires is just growing. I'll tell you another example, which I reported into a CFO as CIO. And so budget was was a huge deal. It's always a huge deal. But of course, it was even more under the microscope with my boss being CFO. And um, so uh, one of the metrics was dollars spent on IT per employee, you know, as an example. So we were spending roughly $8,000 per employee. Our budget was about 80 million and we had 10,000 employees. So $8,000 per employee kind of roughly was the number. That's high in some industries. That's low in other industries. You know, you really got to be careful how you calibrate these. But um, that's somewhat irrelevant when people say, I just want the numbers to go down like the CFO. So one of the things that I did was I said, there's a difference between the average and the incremental. And again, this goes back to being a bit more sophisticated about how you measure things. So I was able to work with my team and say, okay, it may be $8,000 per employee today, but for every new incremental hire, what will it cost us? We don't need to be laying uh, or adding network capacity until we get you know, much greater scale. We don't need to be um, introducing uh, 100% uh, application coverage for you know all these employees that we and in fact in some cases we buy licenses in advance. SAP is an example where you know you typically don't buy by the drink or by the employee a single subscription. Even even with Salesforce, you know you buy in chunks. You may buy 500 subs, you know units uh, of of licensing at a time, for example, or a couple thousand even, um, depending on the scale of your operations. And and so you end up having some things in pocket, right? So. There's some licensing that you can, you know, uh, ride up as you have some in pocket, as I put it. You know, there's some areas where you don't have to introduce new servers and infrastructure. You don't have to introduce new networking capabilities. You know, you don't have to necessarily expand the production support team. Uh, so I ended up being able to say, you know, we could do a new hire at $3,100, you know, per added employee to the company. So I can actually over time ramp my average spend per employee down. So that that was something that was extremely interesting to the CFO, to the executive team. You know, they saw that, you know, IT is going to add people at less than 50% of the current cost per employee in, in terms of IT budget. And so, you know, just being able to and analyze your situation um, and create a, an effective, you know, and simple, a simple set of numbers that you can communicate effectively about your your operations. To me, that that's that requires a, a level of sophistication that takes a CIO, uh, you know, to to dig into with his team or her team. So those are just a couple of examples. And I'd say one more thing that I think was really interesting. I think Rajesh brought this up: the the topic of of automation and um, related to that. One of the things I think that also is uh, maybe again another another area of growing sophistication among CIOs is the ability to introduce uh, leading indicators as opposed to lagging indicators when we talk about our operations and our performance. So um, we did a big uh, Salesforce implementation a 
couple years ago, and we we basically re-engineered the entire service space. So we were having um, a, a whole different process. And yes, in a in a very vague general way, you know that was welcomed, and you know people said, yeah, that'll be better. Um, but you know what what level of productivity are we really going to get? And as opposed to simply waiting until maybe the service organization would be able to say, you know, we didn't have to hire as many people or we didn't have to spend as much money on service. You know, we were able to cut down on overtime hours because this was so much more efficient. You know, those would all be lagging indicators of actual improvement in what IT delivered when we introduced that whole new uh, Salesforce-based service solution. Instead, or in addition, maybe I should, in addition, we went through and said, okay, uh, for this project now, there are... Uh, uh, 200 different transactions that a service engineer might perform, whether it's related to the work order or the, the inventory uh, or introducing his time um, or, you know, just accepting a call or, or a case and, and so on and so forth. Like a lot of things that, that the service engineer does. So maybe he has to deal with 200 different transactions or probably not that many, but 100 transactions in the, in the, in the system uh, at, at potentially. Now, if we take that and we look at how many steps are in each transaction, you know, we said, okay, well, there's, you know, maybe there's five steps in each transaction. So now we're talking 500 steps that a service engineer might perform. Um, and now let's talk about how many of those are manual, how many of those are automated today in the old solution, uh, and what's it going to be in the new solution. And we were able to actually lay out those 500 or so steps that were, you know, 90% manual in the current solution that we had. Uh, when we move to the new Salesforce-based solution, we're going to, by good design, eliminate you know, another 10%, so that takes down to 80% manual, and uh, we're gonna eliminate another 20% by introducing native Salesforce automation, and then we're gonna use some other automation tools um, to eliminate another 10 or 15%, and we're gonna get what was 90% manual down to 45% manual. And so to me and, and to the, the business, you know, that was a great leading indicator of what to expect. We should see this kind and, and, you know, it was kind of black and white. We could say that and, and it was a fact. This was now automated. So in terms of whether the business ultimately delivered the productivity or not in dollar terms, you know, that was and largely up to them. And sometimes you're at the mercy if you have only lagging indicators, right, where if they decide that they're going to maybe save a lot of time, but then use those people's time differently and on something else, you know, and then there's no, no dollar savings. Like, well, did you deliver or didn't you? So again, the leading indicators and the, the level of sophistication we were introducing into that project and to others like it was giving us uh, a greater ability to make the case that IT was delivering. And, um, and, and it was, it was recognized by the business as well. So I think, you know, those are the things that that were on my mind as we were as we were chatting, uh, or as I was listening to some of the other speakers too. Yeah, absolutely love it. Thank you so much, Tom, for uh, those insights. So, Juliet, I'm actually coming over to you. And obviously, Tom has some very interesting insights there in terms of you know dollar per dollar spent on per employee on IT. That's really mind blowing. So, in your experience, what are some of the top KPIs that you have seen? in the organizations that you have worked for. Yeah, so thank you for that, Sam. And it was really kind of interesting and and um, eye-opening the, the conversations in the last half an hour. 
because um, there's many ways to look at KPIs. And I think it's really important to understand where you're sitting in terms of the age of the company, in terms of how the company means, the size of the company and the, and the industry that you're in. Um, so my experience in the last uh, eight, eight and a half years was uh, to be in a mid-sized distribution company, food and beverage, where we had to turn the company around. Um, so I was actually reporting to the CEO, but I was also reporting to the board, which is a whole nother com- complexity um, to, um, to the reporting and to KPIs. I happen to have two roles. Um, I was CIO as well as head of supply chain, uh, which is very interesting because um, I was part of the business, right? So a lot of the KPIs from an IT perspective, you know, I wanted to bring into the business. So it's very important to recognize where you are and what you're trying to measure and why, right? There's lots of KPIs you can do, many, many, many. So, um, you know, over the past eight years, you know, at the beginning, you know, we were just measuring sort of productivity, uh, budget, um, you know, can we afford this? How, you know, how do we do certain things? But as we evolved, we started measuring um, uh, skew profitability. Hmm. Uh, we started measuring um, customer profitability. So food. You have a lot of SKUs. Does every SKU bring you the same level of revenue and profitability that the other one is? We had 1,400 SKUs. We ended up rationalizing about uh, 400 of those. We ended up to be about 800. Why? Because the other 400 was a lot of work and no revenue or no profit, right? Same thing with customers. Some customers take lots and lots and lots of your time and they're not really profitable in revenue. So you want to look at those things, right? Uh, you want to understand those so that you could pull the right levers and have the right reports so that you could then do a turnaround, right? Because you're losing money, you want to make sure. So obviously, there are service KPIs, obviously, you know, keeping the lights on. That was basic. In my experience, that was a given. Like, people don't care about that as long as it doesn't go down. So if it's, you know, if your SLA is 99.9999 or 99.9988, you know, as long as the system doesn't go down and you can transact, you know, people just assume that that's working. So that's really not a KPI that, for example, we were measuring because we didn't really have a, a big problem. But we, you know, we were reporting to the board. The other thing is you want to look at KPIs in terms of how you want to manage your workforce. Well, how do you want to incent them, right? So if your incentive plan, you know, for your executives or for your workforce is revenue, and then you use the revenue KPI, then you're going to be the profit because people don't really care how profitable that is. They just want to get the revenue. If your metric is profitability, then uh, you're going to lose top line because people are only going to look at that, right? So you have to have a combo of these things. You have to kind of figure out, you know, what are the key metrics that you want to use to measure your people's productivity, capability. Um, and then you want to use financial metrics, obviously, you know, like I said, um, a SKU profitability, customer profitability. Um, you know, then, you know, then, you know, as, as we turn the company around and, and, you know, we got into the top, you know, um, profitable, you know, we started to look at different sales channels, right? So you start to sell to Amazon, you start to sell to direct to consumer, you start to sell to different uh, channels other than you did historically, like, uh, like retail. So now you want to measure those metrics. How many people are buying from Amazon? Is it worth to be on Amazon? What are your costs in Amazon? Um, you know, to be able to sell to Amazon, you have to do all these processes, right? There's a lot of things you have to do. So there's a cost involved, and they want to take a look at how beneficial that is. So you want to have metrics around that. 
So as the company is evolving from a turnaround to a growth, to a sale, or sale, because that's yep. really what I experienced, you're going to be measuring different things. Um, and I think it's really important to understand where you are in the company and what are the key metrics, what is the strategy of the company, what do they want to get done, and then build the metrics according to that and then truly measure it. And then, you know, obviously compensate based on that. Um, definitely customer satisfaction in every industry, a very, very important metric, um, because obviously if you don't, if you don't have customer satisfaction, then, then you're going to be losing business market share. Market share is a very important metric. Is your strategy to pick up market share or are you happy with the market share you have? Um, so there, so again, it depends what your strategy is, where you are in the company, the evolution of that company. And then, you know, internal metrics, external metrics, metrics to your CEO and metrics to your board. So, you know, I just think it's an interesting way of looking at it. And I think it's important to look at it from top down and then develop them as opposed to develop them and figure out this is good, this is not good. You know, should I measure this? Should I measure that? Really try to understand the top level, break it down and then build those metrics um, uh, to influence what you want to get done. Yeah, love the layers there. The way you have provided the board versus the CEO, I think that's amazing. Thank you so much, Juliet, for that. So, Mike, I'm coming over to you. And uh, typically on these panels, I'm really struggling because, you know, on most of the panels, we have $5 million guys. And sometimes I don't have the enterprise insights, okay? Because the everybody sort of is dealing in $5, $10 million businesses. So sometimes I struggle with that. But today, you know, we have a lot of weight for the enterprise in general. So, Mike, you must be wondering, what the hell are these guys talking about? <laughs> So over to you. Bring us some perspective from the the SMB space. How they think, and especially manufacturing organizations, they don't have like a million dollar IT budget. There's no way. Um, so oh yeah, oh yeah. Trust me, we spent we spent more money than we make. But but one thing is, I want to say something. There's a lot of good stuff that came up. And when you ask in the beginning, you know, how has a, a, a CIO's role changed? Right. I'm bringing this at from the manufacturing point. You know, 20 years ago, all we did we used computers to do some kind of work or processing. What and we started, I think Rashid hit on this with automation, right? Integration. Uh, the front office with the operation, right? And then now we're talking about digital twins. And in the meantime, customer demand was, we want to see what's going on in your shop. So we had to integrate using cloud or uh, uh, other systems to get into. So suddenly the, the CIO became important, right? Before it was just like, you got three help desk guys and you go out there and you just teach a guy, control, alt, delete, right? And start over, reboot your computer. I think what what the changed in manufacturing because it's not a product from what we make we make the widget but somehow this whole information technology and i want to expand that a little bit because it stands for chief information officer however in manufacturing we have a lot of operational technology well that's a totally different mindset in the it world so i think as a ceo in cio i'm sorry in manufacturing you need to understand where does it and ot connect Right. The other thing is, you know, I think Tom said something. Yeah, we spent eight thousand dollars per employee on it. Right. Well, we're not selling anything of this. So I think as a, as a good CIO, you need to return that and say, here's the eight thousand dollars we spend on those whatever we bought, and here's the return on. I think Juliet hit on that too. Here's the return on that investment because in manufacturing, oh, we bought this big five-axis CNC machine. That's a million dollars. It makes ten widgets. Or there's the return on investment, right? We know how the machine runs. But how does that system that you don't see at OTIT connects, right? And then I go back to something that came up here too, is saying, okay, uptime, right? 
we got all of this now connected. If this machine goes down, I'm losing widgets, right? Guess who, whose phone is actually ringing? Help desk isn't responding fast enough, or they didn't resolve it on the first time. I'm going to call the CIO, the CIO, right? And say, buddy, this is clock is ticking $55 a minute, right? Bing, 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 bing. Justify this. So I think then we connected to the internet. And I think Julia talked about selling on the web. Well, I'm opening my business up to a whole new market. Well, if there's something wrong with the system, what happens, right? What is that investment? So as a good CIO, I think you need to put uh, KPIs in place to say, okay, here's, here's what, what my department you know, invests. Here's that return, and here's the profitability out of this. And it's depending, we, we talked about, you know, if you make this widget or in your hospital setting, those indicators get collected differently. But still, hospitals make money, right? They have expect. So I think as a, as, a, as a CIO, you need to sit down with your stakeholders, you know, with your CEO, with your CFO, with your operational, and says, what, what do you want for my system? What do you want for me? And then I think you can develop metrics or, or KPIs and use them, and then I think Tom hit on something. Don't always look back. Oh, we invested ten grand. Here's the return of it. Look forward and says if we can eliminate labor cost or or customer delays or response time, because you know I have a service people that get the calls basically. Hey, this thing didn't work or it broke down. Can you send? You know, if I can use that on this technology to reduce it, that should be a feather in my cap as a as a CIO saying, hey. Look at this. You, yes, you spend X dollars, but you're returning a Y. And a lot of times, I think, at least in companies that I was in, the CIO, is, it's an expenditure. They, they just given many money away. They've given it out. And sometimes those services are hard to measure. So I think as a good CIO, you need to figure out how do I, and when I say make myself look good, I don't mean that fake some numbers. I mean, how do I show up? Because IT is complicated. Half half the people that sit in those meetings, yeah, I'm I'm the HR manager, I'm this, I'm this. We don't understand what this IT geek over there even talks, right? We just say, okay, we, we do the test, we pass it, we plug it in, you train me, I'm good. So I think as a CIO, you have that role to say, I'm not an, an add-on to your business. I'm as much part of the business as human resources, as materials, as, as operations. And I think a lot of CIOs struggle with showing their value to the company. And, and I go back to what I said in the beginning. We make widgets. We make money off that. Try to fight that. And I've seen many CIO getting a haircut like I do. No hair because they try to say, don't, don't look at us as the stepchild. Don't look at us as the black sheep. Because what, what's going to happen, man? You guys all laugh. What's going to happen if that the ERP system goes down and your web connection goes down? Well, then, then the phone rings, right? And then we're going back to resolution of call, customer service, customer, and all of this. So I think you need to be very proactive and forward-looking to, to measure those things and, and, and prove your departments or your, your value to the companies. And I am not a cost, even if we just bought a $3 million ERP system, here's the benefit. And I think a lot of CIOs sell them short doing that. And it becomes always... Yeah, they're an after effect. Let's get all the operations people to, oh, by the way, what does IT think? Thank you very much. We leave the room, right? And, and we shortchange that. And I think you need to put KPIs in place that show that value. And if it doesn't, if it isn't there, then you at least know what to fix, what to go after and say, well, I can't show them a return on an investment. You know, I like the story from, from Tom, $8,000 to 3100 Well, who would, would say no to you? Uh, taking a 95% manual job, and automating it to 45% manually, right? 
but you gotta put that in because people, the CFO, the looks and the, CIO, uh, the, the, the chief uh, financial, they look at the money and says, "We spent this money, we didn't get it." But Mike made some widgets back here in the shop. We got money for that. Look how good Mike is, right? So I, I don't know if that answers your your question, but I think the whole IT infrastructure in manufacturing is becoming more and more. We have companies that connect it worldwide, right? Different time zones, different systems, different language. IT needs to work through all of this, right? But I think as a good CIO, you need to develop those metrics and use them. And then you need to have systems to get this data really pulled out. Because how do you, how do you know what your server uptime is? And then I want to put a little bit of an insurance spin. I think Rajit touched a little bit on compliance with security. But I'm talking about how secure is my system? How many attempts are there? How many attempts did we swat it? Because that's an investment, right? You need to have your firewalls up. You need to have your testing. You need to have people working it. So I think that sometimes looked at, yeah, that's just the cost of doing business. But I think a good CIO can put that in and say, here's what I saved you. I just saved you $65,000 on average ransom or whatever that number is. You can pull that off the internet. So I don't know, Sam, does that give you some idea how manufacturing and those guys work together? Yeah, this is amazing. Thank you so much for those insights. Uh, Rajesh, do you have a comment? Uh, I think you unmuted yourself. Uh, yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So thanks for that, time. So no, I think uh, there's some great points. So uh, what Juliet mentioned, and uh, I think it's, it's very important to recognize, right? So there are some uh, KPIs that are inward-facing for a CIO, where those KPIs, he or she is just going to look at, you know, how my, from an IT perspective, what are those metrics or the KPIs that I want to track? The other part is the external, right? Meaning outward fit to be able to demonstrate to the rest of the business, to the board, to the uh, other C level, like you say, okay, how is the IT for the entire business, right? And and I think that is very important to recognize. So the the KPIs to track need to be a, a good mix of that, so both inward facing as well as outward facing. The other thing that I wanted to mention was what Tom said, and that's that's very important. Like he said, okay, when I was reporting to the CFO. Uh, I had to track slightly different, and then the CEO it was different. And I have noticed that in industry. So what I find is, uh, as a as an Oracle professional, right, Cato says I've had the opportunity, and uh, and the way you track the KPIs and when you and the terminology that you use also becomes extremely important. So if you are trying to do this for a for a services organization, right, you start using and emphasizing the uh, the utilization kind of uh, term, right for everything, for your hardware, for your resources and everything. And that that basically gets attention right away from, from the rest of it, right? As opposed to that, if you are in a, you know, a, a purely like a, a retail type of setting, right? Uh, where you are trying to uh, like um, uh, get, uh, like serve the customers and then it becomes a uh, whole thing about like throughput, right? How fast you are able to process them, right? So those, I think, uh, are extremely important. Okay, amazing insight there. Thank you so much, Rajesh. So I think, you know, I don't think we can do the, you know, second segment. So we'll just do the free flow comments over comments. Juliet, you unmuted yourself. Do you have a comment? No. Okay, uh, good. So Chris, let's just do comments over comments, I guess. Sure, comments over comments. And and I think you, some, some great points, Michael. But, you know, is the CEO, if he's building all of his dashboards to substantiate his existence, you know, I guess they maybe have dual purpose. But I think the focus on and, and you, some good metrics I heard, you know, you go to the cost per employee. But, you know, if you look at a CIO and if he's driving process and enablement for the organization to transact, okay, is there, are there other metrics that, that correlate to labor reduction due to efficiency through RPA or introducing AI? And a lot of changes coming. And I think that the, the, the landscape is moving quickly for CIOs as they think about how do they incorporate new 
technologies, right, strategically to help hit the business objectives. And I mean, so some of the KPIs are, okay, how is my enablement helping the company perform towards their objectives? Imagine we missed our revenue goal because IT screwed up. Whoa, 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 whoa. And so it, those, are, those are big connections. And I think that's an accountability between executive leadership, revenue targets, substantial, you know, for the business, as well as what's the IT enablement component of, of hitting those results, whether that's manufacturing platform, it's data integration, whether it's more efficient applications for workers, maybe we're reducing workforce as we're incorporating more AI and RPA, remote process automation, so we can keep up with that. But seriously, you know, we, we talk about, you know, how things are going to change and how people are going to be eliminated in five years based on AI doing work. Okay. Again, KPIs are going to track my progression towards that goal. We're measuring right now. We, you know, looking last year, you know what? I'll be honest. I'm looking at January. I'm looking at two weeks in February. I mean, we're going to be looking closely to look at how quickly do these changes take place. And I, I think we still come back to data availability, right? Great to talk about them, but you're like, how connected are the data points to give me this data where I see it today, not 60 days old? The, the, the rear view mirror isn't going to help. But again, it really depends on the org. Are we, oh, we're stable, we're moving along, right? Okay, there's other orgs that are, hey guys, I have a client, they're 30 million going to 300 million. Okay, you know what? That's a fast moving animal and requires some different types of agility on reporting and so forth. But the, the last comment I'll make is, is what are the actions that come out of KPIs? And I think a lot of people just say, oh, I got great, I got them, I looked at them. It's yellow or it's brown or whatever, brown is my red, but, but what do you do? And I think that even as you challenge this audience, it's like, think about actions off KPIs, meaning have them planned. What do you do if it does this? I don't know. Call somebody. But that's that's the other part of that CIO is, is again, if and we talked about a lot of accounting and budget. I didn't go down the rabbit hole on project performance, but everybody knows that project management is a discipline evolved out of IT, right? Because it couldn't let the systems crash. But anyway, anyway, some more comments. So I do want to make a comment now because I think that um, Chris um, Cristiano is that right? Is that that whole, how you pronounce yeah, your name? Cristiano. Yeah. Um, I think you made some good points. Um, so you know, I would also question: Are your KPIs accurate? No. Is your data accurate? Do you have a single source of data? Is your data clean? Is your data right? That is very important before you take action against your APIs. And then the action is what I think also very important because that's what I was trying to say earlier, that you create KPIs and you will use KPIs if you, you know, if you're obviously going to take action, right? Um, KPIs are not going to be that useful if you're not going to, you know, if you don't want to take action on them, right? So accuracy of it and then the actions that you described are really important and like I said, if you have too many KPIs, you get kind of lost in them. So it's really, really important to focus and really understand what you're trying to get done and why. Okay, amazing. Juliet, thank you so much. So, Cham, we have seven minutes right now. Um, so we can uh, do two comments, I guess. Uh, if you want to do closing advice, I don't know if you are going to have time. So any comments over comments, Tom? Uh, one comment over comments. <laughs> uh, just some other one other thing that I thought about as, as I was listening to the other speakers and reflecting. Um, <clears throat> A lot of these KPIs and the justifications and explanations behind them are internally generated. And there are sometimes opportunities to introduce a methodology or a framework um, that's external and even uh, a measurement that's external that lends you or anybody who would do that, you know, but in this case, our IT organizations, more credibility than if you were doing everything purely from an internal perspective. And I'm thinking, uh, one of the things that we did was in the security space. So uh, one of the things, and we use this, you know, Juliet mentioned the board. In communications with the executive team and communications with the board, we said, we're going to leverage the NIST 
framework. So uh, it's a it's a common framework, five pronged framework about how you uh, how effective your security posture is. Right. It, I think it goes to identify, you know, can you identify all the assets that you have to protect? Can you protect them? Are you doing the patching? Are you doing things that you need to do to protect them? Um, uh, can you detect threats um, and how quickly can you detect them? Right. Third prong. Um, then what's your ability to respond and what's your ability to recover? Right. Um, so and, and we actually said we're going to use that framework to not only measure ourselves, you know, we could get industry benchmarks and then we could measure ourselves. We brought in a third party and who was, we did this on an annual basis. They would come in and just give us a report card. Um, and then we would actually go to the executive team and the board and say, so we're only a two or we're only a one on this 4.4 level scale. I think it goes from zero to four, strange kind of uh, measurement, but zero to four in the NIST framework. Um, and, you know, so we're a one or we're a two and we, our aspiration is to be a 2.5 or a three. You know, you don't have to be a four and everything like nobody. But um, but that would be part of our explanation and justification for uh, asking for budget, in fact, and for justifying the projects that we want to do. We need to get up the ladder in different areas. Um, and uh, and so that was very well received. You know, it was a reasonable and well-known framework. We use the third party to measure ourselves. We leverage that whole process to then explain how we were going to do better by saying in this tower of uh, protect, you know, we're going to introduce some new additional capabilities through these two projects. And that we expect to get us from a one to a 1.6, you know, or whatever the, the, the improvement would be on the framework. And so we, we really uh, leverage these external frameworks and these external assessments. And I think that's something also that uh, maybe more and more IT organizations are doing um, that that helps to um, to convey the 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 achievements of the organization. So just one one other thing I wanted to throw out there. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Tom. Uh, Mike, go ahead, please. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. You know, at least in manufacturing, we we have a third party coming in to do taxes. We have a third party reviewing our. Why wouldn't you do it on your on, on your IT stuff? Saying okay, because you know, I think Julie said it. If you have bad data, well, if I select the data, right? Did I select the right data? Do I collect it right? Do I process it right? It's from my view. You know, I create an Excel spreadsheet. If I make a calculation, that looks good to me, right? Have people coming in. And testify or verify what you're doing is right or challenge you saying, you know, hey, four at the top, you had a 1.5. Is that really where you want to be? I think that's a good, good goal for, for KPI to say, I'm comparing myself. This is an independent external third party coming in and they agree with my numbers, right? Or they don't. And if they don't, then we find out what it is. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Mike. And, and to your point, Mike, we, we did our own, like every six months, we do a self-assessment at, you know, on the six month mark. And then we'd have the professional third party come in and do a formal annual assessment. So, yeah, yeah, that was my company. The same thing, right? You, you do it. You want to audit yourself because if you have a big, big flaw, you want to fix it before you get that 1.5 ULS, you now you get a 1.1.0, right? You want to do that. Yeah, that's the way to do it. All right, guys. Amazing. We can probably take a short closing advice. We have five people in only two minutes, okay? So maybe a sentence, I guess, Chris. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Over to you, Chris. 
Closing yeah, in Yeah, validate your KPIs before you like place big bets on. Good okay, amazing. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, Rajesh, closing advice, please. Yeah. Uh, you need to have a good mix of uh, sexy and nasty KPIs, meaning like the kind of what Mike was mentioning about compliance, security. I mean, those are extremely important. They, they may not be like those, but you definitely need to track those as well as, uh, you know, uh, the more uh, like uh, ones which are going to get more like uh, attention. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Rajesh, for that. Uh, one sentence, Tom, closing advice, please. Uh, you need to get behind the metrics. There, there's a need for sophistication in your analysis and use of KPIs. It's not just off the shelf. Okay, love it. Thank you so much, Tom, for that. One sentence, Juliet, closing advice, please. Know what to measure why and get behind it and make sure you have action plans to uh, to resolve it or to improve it. Love it. Thank you so much, Juliet. Uh, my closing advice, please. Well, she just took my action items away, but hold yourself accountable to them. Hold your, you know, just saying this, this is what I'm going to do. Hold yourself accountable and, and verify it with the metric. Awesome. So that's it for today, guys. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our digital transformation series for which we meet every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another KPI topic. On that note, thanks, everyone, for tuning in tonight. See ya. Great. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Chris Garadini, head over to turnkeytech.com. It's T-O-R-N-K-E-Y-T-E-C.com. If you want to learn more about Juliet Sampson, follow her on LinkedIn. If you want to learn more about Tom Rodden, Follow him on LinkedIn. If you want to learn more about Rajesh Dixit, head over to neuralg8.com. It's N-U-R-A-L-G-8.com. If you want to learn more about Mike Schlagenhofer, head over to equity.com. It's A-C-U-I-T-Y.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Nirav Shah, who shares his insights into the process challenges of make-to-order manufacturers. Also, the interview with Megan Gamble, who shares her insights into building the systems for the packaging industry. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.